Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. I'm not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you? Taking what we want. If you had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we're fortunate to have our good friend with us again, Lord Bloodraw. This podcast, we're going to be discussing the book of Boba Fett. Straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Before we get into the episode, let's let's have a round robin and talk to everyone tonight here on Planet 8. Uh, your first impressions, first viewing, uh, first time you saw or were exposed to Boba Fett. Karen. All right. Well... I think all of us are of a certain age here, so the <laughs> the first time I saw Boba Fett would have been on the holiday special in the uh, the cartoon, right? And I, I, you know, I know I saw it somewhat stupefied at what I was seeing that that evening <laughs> with you know B. Arthur and Art, you know uh, yeah Chewbacca's father. <laughs> looking at porn or whatever was going on there. I'm not sure what was going on. And yeah, and then there was the cartoon, which was probably the best part of the show. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Boba Fett was in that. But I don't know that that really made that much of an impression on me uh, as much as seeing him 
in empire. And I know this may shock some people who were born later on and saw the, you know, reimagined versions of Star Wars where he's inserted into Star Wars or what they want to call A New Hope, where they have the Jabba scene and, and Boba Fett's walking around. But we all know that that's not what actually happened. He actually showed up in Empire right. first. And he was kind of a skinny, lanky guy who was in the background, who had one or two, you know, he's worth a lot to me and blah, blah, blah. And, and he just l looked kind of tough. He took a shot at Luke and Cloud City and he had kind of a cool ship, cool armor. And it was like, oh, OK. And then in return, he just kind of, you know, seemed like he was uh, inept. You know, he he lands on the, the skiff to shoot at Luke, gets his gun chopped in half. He he can't capture Luke. He jetpack gets hit by a blind Han Solo. He falls in Sark. I, I was like, I have been mystified for years <laughs> about why people thought Boba Fett was so cool. I really and it took the the Mandalorian show really where he shows up and he, you know, is kicking everybody's butt and was actually, you know, finally given some something of a personality and everything because mm -hmm. I didn't read any of the books or right. any of that stuff. So so my impression was always like he looked really cool. He had a really cool ship, but that was about it. And mm -hmm. I, he was certainly not a character I had made any kind of investment in. And that that was kind of where I was at, you know, coming into all this. Mm hmm. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's go over to uh, our chief engineer, Bob. Well, I probably had the same reaction as Karen. I mean, I wasn't – I think the whole thing was he looked cool and there was a uh, action figure out that was supposedly pretty hard to get, <laughs> kind of limited, and people just latched on to it like, oh, this guy must be special. But uh, interestingly, I was watching uh, – on Disney Plus, they have a little twenty-minute special like the Legend of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. where they kind of go back and they talk about how the character was developed and all this other stuff. But the first appearance of Boba Fett was not in the holiday special. Oh, right. It was actually in a parade in San Anselmo, <laughs> where ILM mm -hmm. like took Darth Vader and Boba Fett down there in the actual screen costumes. And had them in a parade. Now, I don't remember if it was a uh, holiday parade or a 4th of July parade or what it was. But it was a parade in San Anselmo. For people who are not from Northern California, San Anselmo is out by Marin where Lucas Ranch and ILM and everything was, was born and where they were first uh, housed, I guess. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of the first. And, you know, they show people getting autographs from the two of them. And I'm sure the kids had no idea who this guy was walking along with, uh, with Darth Vader. But, uh, but they even have an interview with Lucas and a couple other people saying that originally there was going to be like a whole new type of stormtrooper, mm -hmm. And they were all going to look like Boba Fett. And there were going to be like a hundred of them. And then suddenly, you know, budgetary reasons and everything else. They just, they could only do the one. And they ended up, he was all white at first. And then they went in and just, okay, well, we'll paint him up. And then George Lucas, I think it was the one who said, well, let's just make him a bounty hunter then. But yeah, I mean, as far as 
Boba Fett goes, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was just kind of a throwaway character. I think he had like four lines total between Empire and Jedi. And like Karen was saying, he was kind of bumbling around in, uh, in Jedi. So I was never really like in awe of the character. It was just, ah, you know, Boba Fett, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He had something like six minutes of screen time and four lines. (laughs) Yeah. And one of those lines, I think, was him screaming into the scar- Sarlacc pit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting, though, Bob. That's a good point. It wasn't the Star Wars uh, holiday special. It was that parade. If you were fortunate enough to be. Yeah. Uh, if you were a kid in San Anselmo right. around 1978-ish. Right. Then, yeah, you saw Boba Fett's first appearance in a parade through town. There you go. And you get the feeling that George Lucas was trying to make Boba Fett a fairly big deal because I can remember the first time I saw it was in the holiday special, of course, in that cartoon. Yeah. And it says introducing Boba Fett. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So I figured this was going to be some major character coming up throughout, you know, throughout the next few films. He plays a kind of a pivotal role in empire but again very quiet there's not much character there to go on and i also i think maybe part of why there was a mystique around boba fett might have been that cartoon is just a little oasis of entertainment in the star wars holiday special Mm -hmm. you know it's it's easily the best thing as a matter of fact it's the only part of the star wars holiday special you can watch on disney plus Right. Right. Now they excised that cartoon and called it a question of faith, I think, or something. I give it a separate title. Well, well, the interesting thing, if you watch this Legend of Boba Fett on Disney Plus, yeah, George Lucas, you know, is talking about Boba Fett. He mentions the holiday special, (laughs) something he never does. I mean, he just like buried that deep in his past, but he has finally acknowledged. That it exists anyway. I watch a lot of Disney vloggers that go to Disneyland and Disney World. I am so happy that Disney has embraced the Star Wars holiday special to the point where they're selling Life Day merchandise now. <laughs> selling yeah. the globes. You can you can get a um, a plush uh, Chewbacca in the red robes holding a globe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, Beautiful. even in, in the Mandalorian, one of the early episodes, right. they mentioned, they mentioned- uh, Life Day. Life day, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Boba Fett, was kind of it's almost like Lucasfilm threw Boba Fett at the audience and said, "Here, you create him. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to keep him quiet. We're going to keep him, keep him, uh, you know, kind of mysterious." And the fans just kind of took off. He just kind of there's something about him that just grabbed the fans' imagination. I I agree. my you know first exposure was the what well, is the holiday special too and and not to defend the holiday special but back in the 70s you know even the 60s you had like the dean martin variety hour flip wilson sunny and Cher, donnie and marie the brady bunch variety show and a matter of fact donnie and marie i remember the the droids 
being on the Donnie and Marie show and oh, Donnie yes. and Marie singing like Luke and, and, you know, Leia kind of dressed up like that. Oh, yes. I can't remember what song they sang, but yeah, they, yeah, I remember. It's on YouTube if anyone wants Probably to Probably Age of Aquarius. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. You can okay. see it. Maybe we'll post it on our Facebook page. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> and, and so it was the 70s. There was a different, you know... Star Wars came out at the tail end of disco. Matter of fact, there's a disco version of the Star Wars theme yes. by Amigo. I mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. <laughs> there were all these like marketing things that yeah. Well, even the action figures weren't ready for Christmas. Nobody knew. Oh, that was so disappointing. What Star Wars was going to become, and then when right. when the marketing started, you know, you got plush r2d2s and you know i had a pair of c3po underoos uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but keep in mind too back then that type of marketing with toys and action figures and everything didn't really exist i mean you had some mm-hmm. Mego figures and you yeah. had like you know like the amt star trek models and stuff right but and you had the corgi not, little ships yeah well, yeah but yeah. not to that extent right. that they went to once Star Wars was a hit. I agree. I agree. You, you know, you had the, the Justice League playset for Amigo, the Planet of the Apes, right. uh, Jungle House or Treehouse. Star and Trek bridge the, and everything. The, right. And the, you, the had, you had the plastic Batman with a parachute you could throw up in the air. And... Right. Well, there was a plastic Spock and Kirk you could throw up in the air, too, like a there little were, green. There was a plastic right. Cornelius. Well, there, there was, there was, the pla- there was also things. like the plastic Kirk or the plastic Spock helmet with the, oh, yeah, with with the, the siren, siren light on the top. The, top. Spin, the, yes. the, light, the red light. Yes. Like, where did that yes. come from? Oh, they would slap anything. This toy, the first toy company right. that got the, the license for Star Trek just slapped the name on any any toy that they had that wasn't selling well. Any, well I'm waiting any for like J.J. Abrams to make some of that canon, like just in, <laughs> include it in a movie somewhere or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> the spoiler alert, I've I've read on the interwebs that they've got the green light for a fourth J.J. Abrams Kelvin yeah. universe. Wow. They signed the actors. So, so that's, where, that's where they'll have the Spock helmet and the uh, – the gun that shoots the little plastic discs and things. Oh, those tracer, tracer guns. <laughs> yes. t- t- take a uh, page out of Disney's book and start embracing some of that stuff and make some uh, some money off. <laughs> but but so anyway, and I remember when I saw Star Wars, there was like a program, uh, and it was you know very basic, nothing special. But I remember them calling Darth Vader the Dark Lord of the Sith in mm-hmm. in his little section. And the picture of the character. And and you wondered, what is the Sith? And how is he the Dark Lord of it? And we found out what Jedi's were. So then Empire comes out after the after the holiday special. And we see Boba Fett with bounty hunters, IG-88, Boss. Mm-hmm. Um, Zuckus. Zuckus. And, right. And, and I know there was a lot of. People on Twitter, oh, you know, this about the book. About, hey, look, we could have got the book of, of uh, what was that, uh, half robot, half human that uh, – uh, Lobot? Yeah, Lobot. It could have been the book of Lobot. <laughs> so, okay, let's – let's. Uh... <laughs> People anyway, would watch. For me, I thought Boba Fett – and I did get the action figure. You had to send in so many little, you know, UPC codes from the back of these The one that shoots the and, rockets? 
No, the rock okay. is glued in at that they, point. Yeah. But, so so it know, was a special it was figure. A it wasn't like something you could go down to Toys R Us and buy. Right. right. So and, that and probably so added was, to the mystique. It yeah. was. And so I think for me and, and those, you know, maybe others like me who had all the action figures, you were able to play out these adventures that you didn't see on screen. And you gave, you know, Boba Fett this, mm-hmm. you know, charismatic you know he's a bounty hunter and and you know he works with darth vader and you know whatever that story was um for any any given person and then the disappointment in returns to jedi when it's like it was like watching laurel and hardy i mean he kind of ah, you know bam and, and it was like ah. but he, he's oh go ahead uh, i was just gonna say they they do that they got rid of darth maul in the same yeah. way he came back luckily but i thought I bet a good friend of mine, 20 bucks, I said, there's no way Darth Maul's dead. He'll be back in the next movie. There's no way they're going to kill a, an amazing, cool character like that. And they did. Uh, see, I, the, I uh, thought he was gone. Yeah, and so, wait like 25 years. But, well, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the joys of, of David Filoni working on the Clone Wars, and you know he's the heir apparent to, to George Lucas. I mean, George has said as much, that he kind of filled in the blanks so to speak, in that animated series. And as we would watch it, I would talk with Karen and be like, well, that episode was Christmas toy episode because there were all these different kinds of aliens and robots and ships and stuff. And it's like, okay, that that was more kid. But look, they talked about these like deep geopolitical, you know, overthrowing governments and they brought in the Mandalorians. And, you know, one of the things with Boba Fett, it's like, wait, he, he has Wookiee braids on it does he hunt wookies you know there were all these questions that weren't answered and for me it just added to the mystique um i've always enjoyed i won't say he's my favorite character but i've always enjoyed the character of of boba fett because he was the only one of of mandalorian you know descent or whatever when the Clone Wars hit and they filled in all the story about who Mandalorians are and Mandalore and the different, you know, uh, uh, factions and and stuff, then it was like, well, then they give us the prequels and Boba's actually a clone. And it's like, oh, OK. You know, again, the story just so I was very excited. You know, there's going to be a book of Boba Fett. How did he survive the Sarlacc pit? I, I think that's how everything started on the interwebs with Twitter and Facebook. How's he going to? And Lord Bloodron and I were, were actually talking about this. Uh, and Lord Blood, I'll let you tell the story. There, there's a very famous Hollywood type who got a credit, uh, a writer's credit on the episode for explaining how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. Is that right? No, I don't remember this at I, all. It, it wasn't you? I don't think so. You know, I, I will say, and congratulations to Lieutenant Debbie and Chief Engineer Bob. Uh, they they got uh, married recently, and hey. your uh, hey. your commander had a bit too much to drink, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, Lord Bloodrod, too, ma- too many beers and pina coladas, and talking? now you're imagining people telling you things. But... <laughs> oh no! I swear to God, I don't know. Somebody, somebody, do, do, you, do you remember getting up and doing a speech? It, it's Patton Oswalt, the actor. Yeah. And, oh, and he, he was, had. Yeah, there was like a video he made, I think, a couple years ago, where he described the, the scene of how Boba Fett should reappear. 
There's, yeah, and, yeah. and so if you show the video that they shot for the book of Boba Fett, and someone did this where they overlay it with Patton, like explaining a hand coming up from oh, the sand. Hilarious. God, who did I talk to that that told me that story? Now, Are you sure it wasn't know. just a chair with a coat on it? It, it, pulled, <laughs> it could totally have been me. Completely possible, it was me. but I, I but I don't remember that. But that's great. I mean. And when you think about it, how is he going to get out of the Sarlacc pit? Right. You know, it's, it was the most logical way that it, it could have happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, and let me ask. So we kind of like gave our intro to Boba Fett. You guys ready to go into the book of Boba Fett proper? Yeah. Might as sure. Well. sure. So we're here for, that, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> we're like uh, 15, 20 minutes into the episode. Let's talk about <laughs> the book about of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> right. One of the things that I kind of questioned was he got out of the pit with his armor on. And, and spoiler alert, kids, we're going to talk about the whole series. Oh, we're, oh, we're going to spoil that. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So why did he think his armor was still in the Sarlacc? I've, ah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just I just thought he was delirious. Well, I thought he was unconscious in the when the Jawas pulled all the armor off him. That's it. I so when he wakes up, he's just yeah, you know. Armorless. I rewatched the first episode, and he's laying there unconscious, and the Jawas pull the armor off of him and take it. So he is, and he's totally you know suitably messed up because he was in the Sarlacc. He doesn't know where it was. Okay. Now I laughed out loud at that scene where his ship is hovering over the Sarlacc pit because I'm thinking, okay, here comes his revenge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for I having been inside there wondered though like why did he get so close like like did he need to be that close because well, he was kind of hovering and he couldn't see out. anything so he got, <laughs> he got a little closer then he, he finally the turns sarlacc. the light on and so like, well, he just turned the light out at the beginning but i think he thought the sarlacc was dead right because he killed it when he when he came out of it didn't he blast it apart from the he, inside he blasted a hole through it but yeah, yeah but he thought it was dead maybe yeah. he did and I thought that thing at the, at the bottom was a baby. That could have been. I, it. Thought, I thought it was an offspring in the, in the hole there. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. And, you know, so that first episode, I enjoyed the hell out of the whole sand people. You know, we'd never really yeah. been exposed to them that much. A little bit in the Mandalorian. Um, and, and just, you know, um, God, you know, the person I was talking to about Patton Oswalt was saying that they because I, I was like, oh, it's kind of like Maori. And to them, it was like American Indian. Mm-hmm. God, it's kind of bugged me. Who was I talking to? <laughs> anyway, you, you might have been talking to yourself. Oh, God, you know, that might be right, Bob. <laughs> but no, I mean, that kind of brings me to kind of my my complaint. But I loved all the scenes with the sand people. And his mm-hmm. flashbacks and his journey to be, you know, getting the gaffy stick and all that. Mm-hmm. But when it would go back, he'd wake up in the Michael Jackson tank. And uh, <laughs> then you'd come to like, quote, modern times or present day. And I was just was not interested in any of that. Oh, mm-hmm. It was really the Sam people stuff that. Yeah, you know, his, his that journey, that story, that's really what interested me. Yeah. In the series, the, I mean, carrying the 
present day storyline all through to the end. I mean, thank God the Mandalorian came in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the best episode of the series was the one that Boba Fett wasn't even in. But um, yeah. I was, I just couldn't get into that story, you know. Yeah. So, hey, get I back to the sand people again. I kind of agree. I think for me the problem was in the execution because, well, for one thing, the flashbacks didn't serve a purpose in illuminating anything that was happening in the present day. Usually you have a flashback, the character, something's happening to the character, they have a flashback, and it illuminates something that's going on or why they're reacting away or whatever. The flashbacks were just there to catch us up to where he was at. They didn't really have any, you know, pertinence to what was going on. And, and it was sort of... Brian would like to talk to dis- Hello? Siri is in the room? Um, We're on a party line. Yeah, so it, it felt a little disjointed. So I felt like it was... I really liked the idea that here's this guy, this bounty hunter. He has this near-death experience. Then he's he's got this armor stripped away, literally stripped away, this thing that gives him his sense of identity and mm-hmm. and everything. He's in a very vulnerable position. He winds up with these people... And they show him an entirely different way of life. So he is completely like reborn with these people. And like Bob said, that whole story was really interesting. And I kind of wish it had proceeded chronologically. And and maybe we had started the first episode and you see Jabba's ship explode and, you know, Luke and Leia and all those guys head off on their skiff. Maybe there's nightfall. And then maybe we see his hand like pop up from the the desert he gets out of the sarlacc pit and then we just go chronologically with his story but i think they were afraid if we didn't keep seeing boba fett in the armor people would turn yeah. the channel you yeah. know yeah it, it, it the yeah I, I agree i i enjoyed i enjoyed the whole series not as much as the mandalorian but i enjoyed the series but uh, yeah the flashbacks just told you okay this is how he got out of the sarlacc pit and survived but then it didn't go. It didn't explain at all why he wanted to become the right. the, 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 the daimon. Yeah. Of, it, I mean, he just is, is he just still a gangster? He seems he has a lot more morals. He wants to rule with respect, not out of fear. I thought maybe in the beginning it's like, oh, okay, he's going to work for uh, the Tuscan people to right. gain more respect among the cities of Tatooine. Maybe there's that, but. Oh, that never, that never happened. So I, I did, his motives were never made absolutely clear. Why did he want to become Daimon? Why did he want to change uh, Jabba the Hutt's uh, reign so much? Why did he want the respect of the people so much? That 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 bit of character development just never. Mm-hmm. But then again, never like towards the towards the end, though, it almost seemed like he didn't want to do it. Yeah. He doesn't want it. So, I don't know. But there was no arc or development to lead him to why he wouldn't want to do it when he wanted to so much at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the idea of like, yeah, it's like, this is stupid. Why do we do this stuff for these people who don't give two craps about us? We should right. be, you know, controlling our own lives. 
And then, yeah, I thought maybe he was going to try to make things better for the, the Tuscans and that they would maybe come back towards the end of the show. But nothing happened with them. So that it was a little for me, it was uneven in that sense that, you know, they built all this stuff up with the Tuscans and that he was trying to redeem himself sort of. And then, it, I don't know, nothing seemed to come of that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. I agree that the the character motivations just didn't seem to to be there or make or make much sense. But for me, and maybe it's because it stopped doing a lot of flashbacks. Um, I thought was it episode four where they uh, explain how he and Fennec Shan met. Mm. That I thought that was a turning point, and the series started getting better. Mm. Because four, I, I would say like four, five, six, and seven. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was kind of. It almost lost me on the third episode, and then with the fourth, I thought it started getting a lot better. Well, there were two scenes that just really tore me out of the whole Star Wars thing. One of them was in that episode that you mentioned when he takes Fedek Shan to the body shop to get her repaired. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you've got hip-hop music blaring. <laughs> and so I was like, no, wait, wait a minute. What? What's going What's going on? You could, I don't mind hip-hop music at all but make it sound vaguely like it fits in this universe make it sound vaguely like it give it you know put it in another life something make it sound like it comes from the star wars universe have the, the uh, other cantina scene, band rapping right what's that have the cantina band rapping no <laughs> the other scene was the motorcycle gang yeah yeah they were like the mod motorcycle yeah, gang out of totally nowhere out of I was like, what? No, they don't, they, they just, the aesthetics don't belong. It just doesn't belong there. You guys all just talk about story and logic. And <laughs> they had the little guy that was flying the spaceships at Disneyland as a card dealer in the bar. I mean, that to me was fan service enough. I, I will say there are little touches like that that I do enjoy where oh, they yeah. incorporate things like that. You know, I don't, yeah, I, I understand, Larry. Yes, we have hammered on it quite a bit here. Well, not as bad as Batman versus Superman. I, but, um, uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will say something. I, I think they really latched on to the whole idea. And, and there's going to be more story to tell because there's Bo-Katan involved in this and, you know, Mando season three is coming. But when they introduced the Mandalorian season or series, they chose Boba Fett's people or, or mm -hmm. you know, armor. I mean, the Mando's helmet is very reminiscent of Boba Fett's helmet. Well, sure. And and I think it, you know, latched on to us. It was great storytelling. Um Go back and check our, our podcasts on season one and season two, and you'll hear about my man cry. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say no crying at the end of Book of Boba Fett. So. You didn't even well, cry during the uh, the Luke Skywalker Grogu episode? No, or? I, I did think that was very touching, though. Um, or when Grogu comes peeking out over the... X-wing, and we right. figured, well, find yeah. out, oh, he made it, his decision. It, it was it was touching. It, it pulled on the heartstrings, but it wasn't. 
it wasn't worthy of the second season finale with the embrace of the (laughs) Mando's face. Little hand on the face. Yeah, but you kind of you predicted that in the episode we did, though. That was so funny. Because you said, oh, he's going to take his helmet off and then Grogu's going to touch his cheek and I'm going to start crying. Like you had a vision. (laughs) I lost it. Go back to Boba Fett, though. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, well, real quickly. So the Mandalorian, when Boba Fett was introduced, there was this whole different Boba Fett, the way that he fought and stuff. And granted, we'd only seen him for six minutes prior to that, maybe 10 with the animated stuff. And I think what they did in the first, you know, the flashbacks with the Tuscans is explain how Boba Fett had changed and was the Boba Fett that we were looking at in the book Boba Fett with regards to why he wants Jabba's. Well, he made a mention of Bib Fortuna betraying him. And that's right. why he killed Bib. Maybe in the second season, they'll flesh that out more. I don't know. But I, I didn't have that big of a problem with with some of the hiccups in the stories and and the flashbacks and stuff. But that being said, Chief. Oh, what? Oh. No, I was just going to mention uh, <laughs> Ming-Na Wen, who mm. plays Fennec Shan. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was a... I used to watch her every week on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's, right. she's pretty familiar. And I got to say, they always... They have that one phrase... Resting bitch face. <laughs> she has that down to a science. <laughs> oh, I would say she's got resting badass face. No, yeah. no, I, would, I wouldn't call that bitch face. That's like she, it, she's got she's got that face like, that is just like I hate your guts, but I'm going to put up with you. Oh, to me, even it's when like, she's I'm talking to someone she likes, any you know? what's that? I, oh, yeah. To me, it's like I'm going to kick your ass any minute. Oh, yeah. It's like this is like this razor sharp like focus that she has on her characters she's great she's really wonderful when i would act up as a kid in public my mother would give that look like it's coming boy larry (laughs) and you're not going to know when where or how (laughs) but there's a a belt with your name on it There were so many characters in this show. I mean, especially when we got to episodes five, six, and seven. Because, you know, then we had the whole Mandoverse, right? So Mando Mm -hmm. comes in, Grogu, Ahsoka, Luke. Mm -hmm. um, Well, real quickly, before we get into that, Walker, I want to talk, because I I never read the the comics or or the the books, but a Wookiee gladiator. Oh. A badass Wookiee gladiator. Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. Cr- Black Chrysanthemum. Man, I'd, I'd watch a series just for him. Right? You, know? you know, this is the thing. Like, I think we all grew up thinking, you know, Chewbacca is, is tough. But you know what? If you always look, if you look at Chewbacca in the movies, you could always see, like, Chewie is kind of skinny. His arms are kind of skinny and everything. And you see somebody like Black Crescent and you realize Chewie is kind of a little Wookiee. I mean, he's not <laughs> hes not a big badass Wookiee. I mean, that guy is a big mother humper. I oh, mean, man, yeah. Well, see, yeah, I, I was reading today that, uh, yeah, because I was wondering, okay, is he in the cartoons? Is he? Because I, I've been t- I right. tell everyone before the show, I'm a movie guy. So 
I haven't right. seen the cartoons. I haven't read the books. I haven't, you know, played the video games. So I was thinking, you know, was he, did he exist before? I read today that he was in the Marvel comic right. of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. I read so that's that where too, he Bob. came from. I so saw Filoni, that. I man, saw he digs deep. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a video on, because they explained, you know, who is Black Chrysanthemum. Right. And he was held by oh the walrus people. <laughs> I don't know what the name of that race is. Oh, but he was held by that yeah. race as a gladiator for like years until he was able to escape, which explains one why that scene where he's drunk in the bar. Uh-huh. He just sees one of them, puts down his mug, walks over, and just rips his arm off for no reason. Right. Because he hates these people with a passion. And it also is why he was sent at the, in the last episode to watch over that community of mm-hmm. that race. Because Boba knows he's got, you know, he's got a big beef against these people. So he'll yeah. be, you know, he'll be he'll be a badass there. No, he, yeah, he's a wonderful character. I was so glad that they uh, that they brought him back. I mean, I didn't know who he was before I saw him in Book of Boba Fett, but now that I do, yeah, I want to see more of him. That would definitely um, Max Rebo in the bar, you know, <laughs> uh, for Jennifer Beals, a character to say, okay, hit it, Max. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. I hope he survived the bombing. Actually, I'm sure he did. No, he it was his day off. Okay. Yeah. It was his he, day off. You don't see him on the stage when the right. uh, yeah. Okay. So it was his day off. He, he's he's gonna... lucky. He he got through the sail barge and he got through the, the bombing. So that's right. Yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna be one of the survivors. Mm-hmm. All right. So Definitely. I I gotta ask you guys, what was your reaction when you saw Danny Trejo walk in with a rancor? I uh yes, <laughs> I love yes. this. I yeah, I, Danny, I embrace Danny it. Trejo. I totally. I mean, that was like Rosario Dawson when they introduced her in Mandalorian as Ahsoka Tano. Oh, yeah. yeah give me more of that. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, it, there was like no spoilers. I had absolutely no idea Danny Trejo was even in this. Well, oh, me neither. I, it neither. was a total surprise. And here he comes leading a, a you know, a rancor into the, yeah. into the show. How brilliant was that casting, though? Perfect. Yeah. Right. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so back to Walker's point with Legacy Luke, Ahsoka Tano, R two D two, the 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 uh, X wing uh, again uh, oh, showing yeah, up. X-wing. Grogu. Yeah, Cobb Vanth again. Cobb Cad Bane. I mean, we had like eight characters shoved into yeah. one episode. It was. You know, it's crazy. It's like Infinity War all over again. Or, you know, <laughs> Karen, I had read online that the the plan that Disney has is to introduce, uh, you know, four or five series that will ultimately wind up in a in a cinematic. I don't know if it'll be a three film uh, story or just a, a one off like uh, Rogue One of all these characters. The um, so it's Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, the Rangers. What is it? Uh, Rangers of the uh, Republic. Rangers of the oh, New Republic. Of, yeah. of the New Republic. And there's a and Ahsoka. fourth. Uh, the Ahsoka story. All going to lead to, I, I don't know if that's, you know, ultimately going to happen, but we're getting more Star Wars stories 
on on Disney TV shows than we've had for years. I mean, we, we had more we stories, had but better stories. Better stories. Now the next, the next one up though is Obi Wan, right? Yes. Obi Wan Kenobi. So yes, is right. that so going like to think- somehow fit into the others, or is that going to be just a, a standalone on its own well, series? Obi Wan takes place much earlier, right? Yes. So I right. don't think it will have much connection Very to the Mandoverse. No, it's, it's when he first either. gets to Tatooine after Order sixty six. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's right. yeah. So I mean, he's I basically think, dead by the time the Mandalorian comes around, anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's, he's a force ghost, force ghost, ghost you know, yeah. whatever your definition of dead is. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like to think all these, all this new and better Star Wars is their way of making up for the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> you know, well, I, honestly, I, I I tried to watch that movie again, and I can't. I just can't. I can't get through it. I got like 15, 20 minutes into it, and I'm like, no. Yeah. No, because I know that, to me, how deeply they mangle what they could have had from the from the previous film and built on that. That's that about so as far as I got into Dune. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, you know, this is the difference For the record, between- I love Dune. <laughs> here we go this is going to become the new batman superman but yes i, I could um, not i cannot watch batman superman again though so you cannot or you oh, can't i cannot you know what i could just for the sheer camp ridiculousness of it you know i think i think that's the way movie some movies like that work is you're looking forward to it and you see it and you're disappointed in it but then as time goes on, you go through like maybe a hate watch phase. Then you just kind of laugh at it. Yeah. Like uh, 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 Batman, Batman and Robin. That's the one with Mr. Freeze, right? Yeah. Uh, I, right. That's it. I, I took both of my boys to see that when it premiered. If I wasn't with them, I would have walked out. <laughs> now, every time it's on, I watch it just to laugh at the ridiculousness going on on screen. So I think. It'll it'll evolve. It'll evolve. In a couple of years, you'll you'll watch Batman Superman and laugh at it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I, I, I Batman okay. Superman. Yeah, but anyway, we'll we'll move back to we'll pivot back to Boba. Karen puts a stop to that. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk more uh, offline. No, 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 <laughs> not again. I can't do this again. <laughs> so, but anyway, hey, Frank brought it up. Sorry. Sorry, it's fine. Um, so anyway, so Frank was trying to watch the Last Jedi and could not bring it back to Star Wars. Could not, and I think that I think that it was I think that all of this new Star Wars is making up for (laughs) that because we're getting really good, solid you know solid Star Wars stories in these in in these series so far. Hopefully that that keeps going, you know. But right, they have a. They have a plan. You know, you have these guys, Filoni and Favreau, who come in and they plan this stuff out as opposed to the the new sequel trilogy, which uh, all the stuff I've read and and sat through, you can tell was not planned. Mm -hmm. And and there was stuff that was planned and obviously reversed. And Mm -hmm. it's just a a mess. Right. But well, it didn't have a singular vision. Right, right, exactly. 
Right. But these guys have come in and they, they made a plan. This is what we're going to do with, you know, the Mandalorian. This is what we're going to do with Boba Fett and Ahsoka. And, you know, they have ideas going out for, you know, years and years of storylines. And it's very similar, I think, to what Marvel did with a lot of their characters. You know, they they plan it out and they've got a vision for where everything's going to go. And Well, I, th- I think you know. the smartest thing they did was they brought in Favreau. Mm. And he was from the Marvel side of things. And I think he kind of, he looked at what Kevin Feige had done. And so that's kind of how he started structuring the whole Star Wars thing. Yeah. I are you listening, John Universal? Favreau, so sorry, Bud, go ahead. No, I, I'm sorry. I just said, are you listening, Universal? <laughs> Not. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, he and Dave Filoni. I mean, Filoni just digs deep and you know he's the reason we have ahsoka tano mm-hmm. you know and i remember fandom blew up when it's like what how can you're gonna retcon uh padawan lurder for anakin skywalker what are you guys what are you doing and now you know ahsoka tano and the mandalorian everybody like pooped themselves <laughs> you know it's, whoa well, he... sense. there's a lot of years there that right. you know the clone wars were a lot of years you know so they told some good stories. Like I said, some of them were for the kids, but there were a good number of episodes that were very um, well-themed Yes, um, well, for, for all viewers. The, the Clone Wars is the only reason I even remotely like Anakin. I mean, I, I, the Anakin we got in the prequels was such a, a jerk, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Anakin in the Clone Wars, you could see, you know, the person he was, why he his friends would, you know, care about him, why his friends were concerned for him, why, you know, oh, he's a, he was a great leader. He was a great this or that. You didn't see any of that in the prequel films, but in the, in the Clone Wars, you, you got to see that person. That's right. He was a hero among the clones because he stood up for the clones. Mm -hmm. He realized these are people. They're not just, they're not just fodder. Yeah, yeah. And that was part of Ahsoka's story as well. I mean, the the finale that they gave to the Clone Wars with her, you know, laying out all the helmets and, and then Anakin showing up as Vader, knowing that it was her. I mean, it was like so deep. Mm. Um, but anyway, so it was a beautiful thing to see. Here's Grogu learning with Luke Skywalker, the ways of the Force. And what touched my heart, what what almost caused me to, to man cry, Bob. <laughs> Was Luke saved and kept Yoda's lightsaber? Yoda never used it in Empire or Return of the Jedi. There was no reference to it, but Luke found, you know, and and kept it. And to me, it was kind of like, doesn't that kind of break the Jedi code because you have an attachment? But then I thought, no, because Obi-Wan kept Anakin's lightsaber to give to Luke when Luke came of age. So... Could Grogu be a descendant of Yoda? And I don't know. I, I'm just, you know. And the whole attachment thing is wishy-washy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought maybe Luke would have moved past that because it seemed to me in both Empire and Return that, I don't know if you want to call it attachment or love or whatever, but it was his love for his sister that allowed him to overcome Vader and the fight with in in return but then it was his his love for his father 
that allowed him to redeem him too. That he made it his mission. You know, Ben and Yoda are saying, "Oh, you got to go kill him, Vader. You got to kill him." He's like, "He's my father. I can't kill him." You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna redeem him. I'm gonna save him. You know, and, so, and yet he almost did kill his father. But he stopped himself. He, he had the strength himself. that nobody else, none of the others had. You know, and I think it was because he wasn't inculcated by those Jedi that we saw. In the prequels, who were so jacked up, you know, he basically, he was like an iconoclast. He came in and he's doing it his own way, you know, even though he had training from Yoda and Ben, he kind of rejected some of that training. You know, he still had attachments to Leia and Han, you know, he still had his friends and he maintained those relationships and those actually gave him strength rather than, you know, becoming a distraction so the fact that he was telling you know grogu well you know you can't have attachments and you know if you do this you got and it's like eh, i have a hard time believing luke is going to behave and then, and then what happens it's like grogu goes back and sees sees the mandalorian what's the first thing he do he does he hands him that little shift knob <laughs> yeah you know it's like ah, yeah. that's his attachment right. you know he's got attachments yeah, yeah. And what you were saying just makes me mourn Rise of Skywalker more because the big <laughs> denouement in that could have been there is a balance between complete detachment and attachment to mm-hmm. relationships and life. There is a balance between the light and the dark side, which is what Star Wars was supposed to be about from the beginning. And I'm going to stop rambling about <laughs> It depresses me every time I talk about it. At least we didn't we didn't get a speech about what was it the Bogan and the Altha or whatever Lucas his original conception of the Force, and he had the two different names for it and all uh, the oh I, crazy I don't think I've heard about yeah that. oh god yeah if you read some of the original script it's it's pretty I'm glad we got the Force and not some of the other stuff. Yeah. But we we still got the midichlorians, so. You don't so, hear much about that, though. For the edification of the listeners like me that uh, are movie people, why don't you guys talk a little bit about who, what, background of Cad Bane? Uh, well, who wants to start that off? Badass bounty hunter, gunfighter, uh... Lee Van Cleef in Star Wars Land. Lee Van Cleef, yes, sir. Uh, Just and um, in uh, Clone Wars, Boba Fett was kind of his uh, protege. Yeah, he was like a teenage Boba Fett. Yeah, teenage Boba Fett. They met in prison, Uh I believe. And this is—I didn't see these episodes, but I saw synopses of this. And he, uh, uh, Cad Bane, kind of took him under his wing. And trained, uh, taught him the bounter, uh, bounty hunter business. Essentially, that's pretty much all I. That's pretty much all I know about it. So it was an interesting kind of closing of the circle. The the final episode. Cad Maybe. Cad Bane was a creation of Dave Filoni and those guys doing the the series, as was Ahsoka. Um, and I don't remember how soon Cad Bane came into the series, but it was fairly early on. I remember Ahsoka was there from the very beginning. There was a Clone Wars, like an animated movie, uh, almost two hour movie. And um, Ahsoka was (laughs) told this story before, but 
me and my friend Jay went to see this animated movie, and we were the only two adult men in the theater without children. And all the parents <laughs> were looking funny at us, <laughs> sitting off in the corner. <laughs> anyway, um, I want he he definitely came in early on, and he was a foil to the Jedi. Because um, one of what I feel the Jedi were in in Episode One, Two, and Three, they were very pompous, mm-hmm. and, um, and and he exploited that masterfully. And you know, it, it was like he'd always escape, you know, from from the Jedi. Um, so well, I, I don't know the name of the the voice actor, um, but um, he he had a scene with Fennec. At, at some point in in the Clone Wars, and so I, I was wondering why didn't they kind of like oh. address each other in in the book of Boba Fett? Um, they were in Bad Batch, right? Weren't they? they, they Bad Batch. You're right. Yeah, they were. They both Sorry went after uh, Omega in Bad yeah, Batch. You're right. It was yes, bad. yes, 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 yes. That's right. That's right. Um, so you know, it would be interesting if they bring in an adult Omega in season two of the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I'm, I know it's right? possible. It, it, hey, um, one of the things that Karen and I were we're gonna kind of pivot. Uh, Bob had discussed was using legacy characters in these series. Um, you know, Boba Fett is a legacy. I consider a legacy character, and and not only did they use him in in the second season of The Mandalorian, they gave him his own series. Um, Karen had expressed concern, you know, hopefully they're not planning a Luke Skywalker series or using him more than they really need to, to tell a story. Karen, why don't you kind of like fill that out a little more? So Luke is my, I will say Luke is my favorite Star Wars character. No way. (laughs) I've always connected to him because, you know, I grew up in a real small town and he was, you know, stuck on Tatooine and so I had I had this real connection with him and I've I've always he's always been my favorite. And so when they had him make that guest appearance in Mandalorian, I just about like jumped through the ceiling. <laughs> and and you know, I thought that was great. But then I do fear that there could be overuse of the character moving forward. And even though they got his likeness captured pretty well in in this um, episode in in Boba Fett there was still something about it that was kind of cold like it it didn't have the the warmth of like a Mark Hamill you know it was the voice mm-hmm. maybe yeah, maybe that yeah maybe that was it it just didn't quite it wasn't quite there you know and so the even the there's a lot of folks saying well we, they should be a, you know they should do a Luke series and they can just do that you know, CGI and they can capture him and do it that way. I, I, personally, it's not something I would want to see. Yeah. Um, maybe having him show up every once in a while used sparingly, that would be great. But I, I just don't, I feel it, it's, you know, it's like a, a touch of magic. You don't want magic being, you know, dumped over. It's like having, you know, a bowl of cereal. You don't want to dump the whole thing of sugar in it. Right. You just want some sugar in it. So I, I think for me, I took it as Luke as the teacher now, not the student. And so that he was more stoic. I don't know that it was necessarily the acting. And, and it's, I don't know who the voice actor was, but I know it wasn't Mark Hamill this go around. No, it, um, it, was, it was a voice actor who didn't sound anything like him. Yeah. And they ran his voice through a pro through an AI program 
that studied Mark Hamill's voice, and it came yeah. out Mark Hamill. And came, and I think that gave it the kind of cold edge to it. Yeah, and I don't know that we'll see him moving forward too much because Grogu's made his decision, right? So now Luke's going to go and yeah, I kind of thought that's with... what, that's what that episode was all about was right. segueing Grogu back into the Mandalorian while segueing Luke kind of out of the series. But in, in, into Frank's favorite movie, I really kind of wonder, like, <laughs> I really kind of wonder, like, casual fans that like love the Mandalorian, and then they didn't really watch Book of Boba Fett, and then the next season of Mandalorian come up, they're like, hey, wait a second, I yeah. thought he was <laughs> off, and what? Hey, I'm confused. I'm I'm betting. I think Grogu is too powerful in the Force to just be let go like that i think that luke or some well luke i guess would be the only one is going to keep be keeping tabs on him he or ahsoka he, he or ahsoka some yeah, one of them one of them because i think he's too well it felt like in mandalorian and if they could do this i gotta keep going back to it but <laughs> it, it felt like the reason they wanted grogu was to somehow harvest his force power, mm -hmm. I assumed, for the clone of the Emperor. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, And I thought to myself, if they make all of that stuff make sense in this series, they are geniuses. Right. <laughs> if they're able to and, do that. And who's mm -hmm. to say they didn't clone Grogu already? We know they rescued him, but they what had if him they cloned for quite him some already? Time. Mm -hmm. They had him for quite some we time. We don't know. Um, yeah, fair I mean, it's going to be interesting going forward, definitely. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just surprised see. they kind of wrapped all that up with a bow in like an episode and a half. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Cool. I mean, I thought we'd see like all of season three would be Grogu off with Luke and training and whatever, mm -hmm. and then eventually maybe he'd come back. But yeah, this is just like immediately. Oh no. Oh, Put him back. Uh, I like the conversation Luke had with Ahsoka is, you know, how's his training going? It's not training so much as him remembering. Yeah. Could he be a clone of Yoda? Anyway, I'm, I'm going in oh, I directions here. I, I hadn't thought about that. I just assumed it was because he had been at the Jedi Temple. For right, that's years. what I thought, too. Yeah. But, that's that's kind of where Luke blew it because it's like, you know, he's training – this basically this kid and yet he's showing him all these deep dark memories that he tried to forget of all these Jedi being killed and everything and then well, he's got the uh, training sphere shooting at him <laughs> it's like that if, was that, weird. if when that happened to you at school it. you'd be like yeah, get me out of here you know? when he crushed it Luke was like oh very good that surprised me too yeah um, that surprised me too. Yeah. One of the things that got me too is, okay, Grogu, I'm going to help you remember, you know, where you came from, and it was just him being rescued. Where was the rest of that story? Maybe there are going to be more memories that are going to come up in. That'll Mando be the too. Grogu spinoff show. Put him in the uh, back to tank, uh, Boba Fett's back to tank, and he can have his flashbacks. Just Grogu, Grogu the prequel. eating frogs and remembering. <laughs> Every time he takes a bite and go off and have a memory. Hey, yeah. By the way, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, no, this is, I'm sure you're more on topic, so go ahead. No, no, if, I was going to make a joke about the love child of Yoda and Yaddle in the Jedi Council. But oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the Star Wars universe is brutal. <laughs> Open slavery, right? Because the droids are intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're just slaves. It's always bothered me. Intelligent beings eat other intelligent <laughs> beings and don't think anything of it. Right? It's not it's not considered kind of a form of cannibalism. It's just you know, the I this other intelligent creature is tasty. I'm gonna well, kill it guys, and eat guys, it. Have you seen the I think it's Discovery Channel, the the uh documentary on octopus and how intelligent oh, they are. I know that, yeah. And and we eat them. So I yes, mean I don't you know I honestly <laughs> I don't, know. don't even Well we eat dolphin too. No, I don't eat dolphin. I do eat cow, uh, but I don't speak. know how intelligent they are. I eat cow. I eat pig. pig. Pigs are intelligent. Pig. Fair enough. Well, they're just so damn good. They are. I mean, cows <laughs> have to be intelligent, right? Because they keep getting abducted. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Babies were just so good. Those tadpoles. <laughs> just so damn good. But no, that, that, that's right. Yeah. It's just a, it's a different level of intelligence, but they're very intelligent. Yeah. yeah they manipulate tools and. Uh, logic problem solving yeah, it's pretty amazing so what do you guys think now ahsoka was not part of luke's jedi training academy she was she just like a friend was it just the force that led her there because grogu had a decision he had to make or will, will we get more of that story in the ahsoka tano series and how awesome was it though that anakin skywalker's padawan learner who she fought to the death in that Sith temple in the Rebels animated series. And that dialogue with Vader was brilliant between Ahsoka and Vader. And, you know, and his son have this conversation. I mean, it, it was amazing to me that we saw that, you know, those two worlds colliding the learner, you know, and the son of the beloved teacher that she had who fell to the dark side. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. absolutely stunning. I got to catch up on all this stuff because it lends an emotional weight to mm-hmm. to the series that like I understand in um, Obi-Wan, uh, Darth Vader is going to be in it. He's going to appear, which right. great, because that means that uh they don't in uh well in um uh a new hope that is not the first time that they've met after we meet again years because it's so anticlimactic if you look at it though. yeah well, so the, i mean so, when does the obi-wan series take place right between the prequels and before new hope i don't know how many years but yeah 10 years is what i read is it 10 years that, okay. that it's you know luke and leia are going to be in it as well at 10 years of age. So, and, and there will be conflict between Obi-Wan and Vader. I'm not going to say a fight, but they, and it's going to be Vader in the suit in the Ahsoka series. The, the rumors that I've heard is that it's going to be the force ghost of Anakin talking to Ahsoka and not Vader, but that they're going to use uh sorry, Karen, it's going to be Hayden Christensen <sighs> and not the voice actor from The Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. No, Hayden Christensen's playing Vader. In, he, uh, he's going to be in both. Well, uh, yeah. Well, maybe he got better. 
<laughs> well, he won't have George directing him either. So it won't uh, just uh, that's what's true. wrong with that or, um, <laughs> or writing him <laughs> faster and more intense. I don't know. I just I still think George is still kind of hovering. I think he's he's still hovering. He's still around somewhere. Uh, well, uh, on the series, yes, because they love and they respect him. On the uh, the Frank's uh, Lord Bloodraw's favorite movie, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. They still like he's still around working with Filoni. You know, he yeah. had he had input on like Ahsoka and um, Bo Katan and some of these other characters. You know, so he's still like he's still hovering the whole around. Concept but... about the Mandalorians that was a lot of George talking with Dave about you know what he thought you know that could be. So well, and and there's so many. There are pages and pages. Of like drawings and little yeah. scribbles of ideas that they recycle yep. to this day. Or never know? used. Yeah. So there's right. still stuff right. from when George was in charge that they they go back and reference and put into shows. Like this, the whole episode with the ice spiders mm-hmm. was Ralph McQuarrie drawings from right. back in the day. And they, oh, this is really cool. Let's use it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it goes on and on. Here's another question slash problem that I had just trying to like figure out. So when when the Mando shows up in in Book of Boba Fett, and I thought that was like one of the darkest moments in any Disney production ever. When he takes the dark blade and he slices that dog alien in half and he decapitates him and throws the head on the table, and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> um, what do you guys? I mean, the, when when we left him, Bo-Katan was going to fight him for the Dark Saber because the Dark Saber could only belong to the leader of Mandalore. Blah, blah, blah. She didn't say she was going to fight him. Well, she wanted the Saber. I mean, you yeah, were led she to believe the saber. that they were. Yeah, you know, there was going to be some kind of a reckoning there. And did he kill her? Did she walk away and decided she didn't want to fulfill her destiny? No, he shows up in a butcher shop, you know, with the blade. Finds the armorer, the the one lone surviving Mandalorian from season one is there and wants the saber because of his generational attachment to it. Why does he still have the dark saber? Right, because he was told he's not a Mandalorian anymore. He's not, you know. Which is not. He's holding it, so it's like, all right, come and take it from me. Well, and I, I thought Karen would have appreciated the Dungeons and Dragons portion of the story where it's like, you must go to the sacred lakes below <laughs> Mandalore and find. <laughs> and what does he want to do with the spear? I want to make chain mail. And I'm like, God, if this isn't an episode of the D&D that I used to play with Walker, <laughs> I don't know what is. I, I wanted to cry when they melted down that spear. That spear was so cool. Oh. I was like, what? This you is know? the way. I know. Yeah, I hope, it was kind of big realized. to give like Grogu a big old spear. I mean, oh so yeah, do right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope he realizes that he is a Mandalorian. He's just not of that sect anymore. Maybe, maybe Grogu is going to get the dark saber. Oh. <laughs> Cut his head off. Yes, I, it's a good point, Lord Bloodraw, because I, I think they sort of started to, you know, plant that seed. In in the second season of Mandalorian with Bo Katan's yeah. people. And he he got very disturbed by that. 
oh, you yeah. know, and, and took off because it's all he knows. Solid sect. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he should start to realize that, you know, there's more than one way to be Mandalorian. These are the ways. <laughs> These are the ways. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see come uh, Mando season three. Yeah. When's that due? Later this year, if not early next year, yeah. I think. So what are, um, I guess they are going to make a season two of Boba Fett. They are going to make a season two. Any uh, predictions on what's going to Well, well let, let's that? talk about the, the finale. I mean, him riding the Rancor, <laughs> you know, and the Rancor kind of pulling some King Kong moves on the. Yep. Oh, definitely. Very Vest, King Kong. Towers and uh, that was. Whew, that was, yeah, that was great. Well, you know, somebody was saying it was just basically Filoni and Favreau and, uh, and, uh, was it, was it Rodriguez? Oh, yes. Like, mm-hmm. all just sitting around playing with their toys. And they made an episode out of it. <laughs> I got no problem with and, uh, that. So I got no problem with that, yeah. No problem with that yeah. at all. But I mean, Robert Rodriguez, he, he directed, what, about four episodes of the seven or three of the seven? Something like that. I don't know how many, but it was it was if not half close to them. And then Bryce Dallas Howard, she she basically directed the Mondo episode. Mm-hmm. And he was the voice of Doc Strossi too, wasn't he? The mayor, I believe. Yes, so. you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, Rodriguez did three. Yeah. But no, I mean they combined to make a pretty cool finale. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the mayor character as well. He was so like such a like political like slime ball. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And the mayor's major domo. Oh, that guy was really great. was he was he was great. Brilliant. Sending him out as a distraction was just yeah. wonderful. And he reads he's like, "Let me ask you something else. <laughs> <laughs> what if?" What if I... <laughs> And I will give you uh, nothing. Uh, nothing. <laughs> not to brag, but I was educated on Coruscant. No, I was saying. That was brilliant. But no, I yeah, mean, it, it was really... basically nonstop bang bang action through the whole episode, really which yeah. uh, really was. I guess, you know, if you're only going to have seven episodes, you might as well finish it up with, you know, the fireworks. And I, I, I like that they address, because one of the criticisms I had heard in the middle of the series was, oh, Boba Fett's an old man now, and he's not, mm-hmm. he's slow. It is, uh, um, Cad Bane flat out says to him, you've gotten soft in your old age. And he says, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> he's just that honest about it. We all we do. We all do. Well, you know, one of the things that was funny to me, I picked up um, Tashin, the bookseller, had a sale like half price sale on their books. And I, I got that art of, or the uh, Star Wars archive. Oh. And they had some nice pictures with Boba Fett and everything. And I'm looking in there and you realize like Jeremy Bullock, who was the first Boba Fett, was a very lanky dude. Yeah. Very skinny dude. And then you look at Tamara Morrison. He is a very stocky dude. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if you wanted to stay in canon, you could say, wow, is he as... Boba got older. He kind of filled out quite a bit. <laughs> he bulked out. Sure. He bulked out a little bit. Sure. He got better but, bounty hunting and was eating better. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, he's making more money. 
ate at better restaurants. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, I thought it was, you know, people were complaining, oh, he's not, you know, he's not beating anybody's ass. He's not doing anything. He's, but you know. How often have we seen Boba Fett beat anybody's ass before the series? This is the He thing. was shooting people. He wasn't a, a, a really that great a hand-to-hand fighter right. that we've and ever seen. I really think going hey, back he to... Hey, he captured Luke and Han Solo in the Christmas special. Well, but but Larry, it was funny because I, I during the course of the show, I've been having conversations with people on Twitter. And one of the things I said, and it goes back to Larry's comment about the action figures, I really think a lot of this comes from kids years ago. And the stories they made up with their exactly. action figures. Exactly. You know, and it was a cool looking figure. And they made up all these stories between Empire and Return of the Jedi where, you know, Boba Fett kicked everyone's ass. Exactly right. And, you know, they had all these uh, uh, ideas in their heads about what should happen. Right. And so now even with this show, because he's kind of. Just I don't know why he was always walking into town. That drove me nuts. But he was, you know, just walking around all the time. And people are like, he's never, you know, he doesn't shoot anybody. He doesn't do anything. But that last episode, like when he and Mando f- used their jetpacks and they were shooting oh, everybody, yeah. and then he's yeah. riding the Rancor. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah. You know? Well, and even in the second season of Mandalorian, he saved Mando's ass. No, oh, he was great. He came out there with this gaffy stick, and he was like brutal, like boah. That's right. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Karen, I too have that Star Wars. Oh, you have the uh, big boy. Oh, dude, have you even looked at it? It's still um, in plastic. It still has Saran wrap on it, so I it don't think so. It has Saran wrap because I have the wee little version that you have too, yes, Karen. That- that's the version that I can actually look at. That other version would break my legs if I tried to. You need one of those big gothic uh, book stands. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm saving I up. I will not read from the book of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I reveal my inmost self unto my Star Wars book. Oh, something before we go, something that you said, oh, you said uh, when we were first hearing when, when Star Wars first came out, Darth Vader, Lord of the Lord of the Sith. What was a Sith? We didn't know what a Sith was. Do you remember Darth Vader being called the Lord of Cheem? No, no. Darth Vader. It was Cheem? Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, Lord of Cheem. I don't remember that. I'd have to look at the program. I have it still. I don't think they referenced that though. I want to say it's in the novel somewhere. And it's it's like in his in, in the introduction of Darth Vader, the Lord of Cheem, never mentioned again anywhere. <laughs> There's so much of some stuff like that. Just like oh, I know. the yeah, the See, different. Yeah, I've never heard of Cheem. If any but, of your listeners my, out there, but my know dog Lord Teddy though, yeah, he is he is the Lord of Cheese. Lord of Cheese. <laughs> He's followed He's by many small call dogs. Him from Lord of Cheese. That, I think that's Dark Helmut. <laughs> dark, dark helmet. <laughs> well, my friends, as as this episode comes to a close, do we have any more? Oh, let us let us pay respect to the Gamorian guards who fought to the oh, bitter yeah. end. And, yeah, you know, yeah, they were loyal, loyal to the end. They, they were loyal to the end um, until they pulled a wily e. coyote at the end. There, yes, they did. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Let us also rest easy that we know that Jawas are very furry. Very furry. <laughs> yeah. That's that was such a bizarre line. <laughs> I wonder if it was ad-libbed. Maybe. Oh, maybe. knowing her, it could be. She's wonderful. She's but but it was very memorable. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. Very, very, very. Get a Jawa. You what? Did you notice uh, when they showed the the Jawa sand crawler? Yes. And they were on top of it, and the, there was the, the skull and everything. The dragon, uh, yeah. sand yeah. dragon. But when they see uh, Din Djarin going by in his yeah. hot rod, they point at it, and they, they all start waving at it. <laughs> That's what it was. Now, I mean, you know, you love Twitter, you hate Twitter. I can't believe how much fan service that rod that they used in the trash compactor in, in Star Wars oh. was used in that fighter. Yes. And yeah. everyone was like, oh, my God, it was the part in the trash compactor. And I'm like. Well, it's like how the ice cream maker that was in uh, Empire in Cloud City now oh, yeah. has been in Mandalorian and now Boba Fett and yeah, the Camtono, right? It's... Yeah. It, uh, you know, it, it was cool. Um, I didn't have a problem with it, but I thought it was kind of odd that they made that ship into like a hot rod so much so that it had like a motor on top going. Brum, 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 brum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. I'm sorry. That was another scene that took me out of it. It's like, OK, I know what you're going for, but is that thing going to have a carburetor in space? What are you doing? A bit much. What now, doing? I, I knew straight away when when he's like, hey, why'd you modify the droid pit? Because Grogu's going to go in there at the right. end of the episode. That was where I, and sure enough, it ends with him. Click, click, click. Yeah. No, I said no. no. Click, 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 click. I said, uh, boom. And then he's, wee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's... That, that brought the, the book of Boba Fett to a close. Yeah. Yeah. And, and overall, enjoyable. Did not like it as much as the Mandalorian. Mm -mm. I thought the Mandalorian was uh, a little more sharply written. I thought the stories yeah. uh, held together. Well, I think I, the thing about tightly. the Mandalorian too is that you looked forward to the next episode. <laughs> like one episode ends, and then you're like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" Or you know, you're like, "Oh man, we got to wait all the way until you know next Wednesday or whatever." Boba Fett was just kind of like, oh, it's Wednesday? Yeah, I think there's a new episode, right? Oh, not me, brother. I couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah, I was kind of, you know. Whatever. I look forward to the new episodes, but I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I wonder where they're going to go now, mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, yeah, new Mando. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see what you're saying, yeah. 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 I, I do think in some ways trying to wedge in Mando and, and some of these other characters to move that story forward may have been to the detriment of Boba Fett. Because like we were saying, we still a lot of his motivations and other stuff is, wasn't really spelled out. So it would have been nice to maybe spend some more time with him if they could have. And, and like, again, like the Tuscan Raiders, it would have been cool if the Tuscans came to the town and 
fought the pikes and i kind of thought that was something that was, was going to happen that they're going to yeah tribes of tuscans were going to yeah go. i thought he was going to rally the tuscans and yeah. yeah i don't know but yeah we'll see maybe maybe that'll come up in the next season somehow he'll do something for them get the planet back for them or whatever but uh, yeah overall I, it was enjoyable i but i wouldn't put it anywhere up near mando level of enjoyment I wonder if they considered going that way with Boba Fett and the Tuscans, but they thought it would be too much like Dune hmm. because Paul Atreides knows the true power of, of Arrakis is in the people, is in the Sam people. Uh, Boba Fett knows that the true power of, uh, Tatooine is with the Tuscan Raiders. I wonder if they felt uh, yeah. too close here. It's fairly close with Spice anyway, right? Right. Talking about uh, Spice running and things like that. Lucas, There's a planet. Mm-hmm. He, Lucas took a lot from Dune when he oh, created yeah. Tatooine. So yeah. Yeah. It, it could be. Don't know. Possible. I loved it so much. I'm going to go watch it again when we stop uh, recording tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go watch Discovery. And... I'm going to lay down with my Mandalorian laser rifle and hug a teddy bear. No disintegrations. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah, whoops. Sorry, dear. <laughs> we need another cat. <laughs> well, my friends, it is almost that time of the show where we will have our sensor sweep. But before that... Um, Karen, you'd brought this up, so I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you to go ahead and um, share with our li- listeners the passing of, of uh, someone uh, dear to the Star Wars uh, family. And then from there, Karen, you have this week's or this episode's sensor sweep. Go ahead and transition into that, if you will, please, my friend. Take it away. Sure. So uh, sadly, this week um, we lost Douglas Trumbull. So uh, he's a legend in the special effects community, uh, not only a special effects artist and director, but also created a lot of technology to enable creating a lot of special effects, well known for his work on 2001. Uh, he also, though, worked on a, a plethora of movies, um, including, uh, well, films like Silent Running, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, the Star Trek, the motion picture, which he essentially saved mm. uh, because of the effects snafus with that. Um, he also uh, uh, came in and worked on Blade Runner. I mean, the guy worked on on just so many um, uh, visually uh, uh, spectacular films and was known for his ability to innovate um, new techniques and new technology for creating effects and, and, uh, you know, was a titan of the industry. You know, we, we wouldn't have all the uh, amazing films that we have now without the contributions of Doug Trumbull. So, uh, it's very sad to hear of his passing. And of course, our condolences to his loved ones and, uh, our respects to him that his legacy will continue on. Mm-hmm. And so, I uh, I am so unused to doing the censor sweep. My goodness, 
Um, but I do actually have something this week, just hot off the presses, uh, and in uh, accordance or agreement with our topic tonight, I got a book called The Art of the Mandalorian Season 2. And this is an, a nice big coffee table book. Uh, this is by, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Phil Shostak. And uh, it is a beautiful book. It has a lot of great sketches and and pre-production art for the second season of The Mandalorian, which that alone would probably encourage you to buy it. Uh, but it also has a lot of little, um, it has text that provides a lot of uh, insight into the reasons for how certain things were designed or why they were incorporated into an episode or the history of things. Um, you get to see a lot of variations of design and how they ultimately arrived at designs of characters and uh, equipment and things. So if you are into that kind of stuff, if you're into The Mandalorian, uh, I would encourage our listeners to grab this here book, which I think retails for about 40 but I picked it up, I think, for about 26 off of Amazon. And you should check out your favorite bookseller and see where you can get it. Now, does it have a lot of that art that you see like at the end of the episodes? Um, very, the if credits? not the same, very similar. Okay. Um, it's in the same style. I don't know if it has the exact art from the episodes. Is it like the book from the first season, the art from the first season of The Mandalorian? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got the, the first season book, so it's it's the same, it's in the same vein as that. Okay. If you got the first season one, it's a continuation of that. Okay. Uh, but it's a nice, you know, if you like, you know, the art books from different shows, it's a good pickup. I can't wait for the Book of Boba Fett, Book of Art of the, well, anyway. <laughs> the Book of the Book of the Art of the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> well, I think I will definitely check that out and add that to the collection of things that I need to uh, read and, and go over. I, it always amazes me, Karen, how you have time to get these books and actually like read them oh there's if you could see over my shoulder here there's uh two stacks of about 15 books okay okay so, so i'm working bad. my i'm working my way i'm actually my main book right now is an autobiography of chuck heston mm. oh which is quite enlightening interesting it, it's yeah oh, it's interesting all right <laughs> So yeah, I get like sure all these Japanese books that I can't read, so uh, <laughs> I don't have to read them. I can just look at the pitches. <laughs> there you go. Well, my friends, as always, this was a very fun and interesting uh, discussion. Um, for those of you listening, we hope you enjoy uh, your time with us as much as we enjoy our time with you. Lord Bloodraw, again, thank you for joining us. Um, fantastic to be here. Could, could you give us a quick rundown of your, your Patreon and where we can find you and listen to you on online? Uh, yeah, uh, check out lordbloodraw.com. That's where you can get all the uh, information as to where to watch the show and catch the uh, the you know catch the uh, weekly show. New, show. new episode drops every Friday. Uh, my uh, podcast, Lord Blood Raw's Nerve Rack and Auditorium, is uh, still going. There, uh, it's available anywhere. Podcasts are available: Spotify, Apple, Google, the whole nine yards. 
Uh, you can check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Lord Blood Draw. And uh, if you join the Patreon there, you can check out my third weekly series called Lord Blood Draw's Cathode Zone, where I host uh, classic episodes of sci-fi and horror TV shows. And that's at Lord, uh, patreon.com slash Lord Blood Draw. All awesome. of that is available at lordbloodraw.com. All right. Well, thank you uh, again for being with us. And, thank you. Um, Always, always a pleasure to be here. All right. That's the end of the episode. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.